0: Welcome to Show Your Scars with me, Jordan Angeli. Using my experience as a former professional athlete, I will take you inside the journey back from a devastating injury. Although we may not choose for this to happen to us, we appreciate who we've become in the process. Now, let's dive into this week's episode as we share our strength and show our scars with pride. everybody. On today's episode of Show Your Scars podcast, I am welcoming Kelsey Griffith, a mental skills coach at the McKaylee Center in Boston. Our conversation is really nerding out about the mental side, and you know that I love to live in that world, and Kelsey does as well. We go from her background in dance and how that fueled her current profession, her personal ACL rehabilitation, and how it really helped her in relating to the patients that she sees, How you personally, you the person listening to this can build your own mental toolkit, how to control what we can control and really managing expectations within the process. I hope you guys enjoy this. Kelsey has so many great things to say and we have a really cool opportunity for you guys coming at the end of March. So make you, make sure you stay tuned to the end of the podcast and see the opportunity that we have and what we're working on because we are here to help you and we can't wait to dig in a little deeper. But before that, here she is, Kelsey Griffith. Kelsey, I'm so excited to chat with you. We've got some cool things that we're working on together. And every conversation we have, I just feel like I learn more and more. So thank you for jumping on and uh, teaching some of these Show Your Scars followers some new skills. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super psyched. Yeah. So you, I, I was mentioning to everyone, you work at the McKaylee center for sports injury prevention. And I kind of want to just start out with, it's a big word, right? To say <laughs> sports injury prevention. It it's a word that often I'm like, Oh, I don't know how I feel about it, but you guys do a lot of cool things and a lot of things that allow you to use those words in your title. So can you just talk a little bit about the center and what you guys do? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, the
1: McKaylee center opened, gosh, almost eight years ago now. Um, it was founded by Dr. Lyle McKaylee, who is just a huge, huge name in the sports medicine world. He's absolutely incredible. Um, and when he actually started the first sports medicine division, um, in the country and one of his pillars was how do we help keep athletes healthy proactively? Um, Right. So uh looking at that prevention piece, um, and, as he continued to work with uh, Boston Children's, eventually he was like, "You know what? Like we're seeing a lot of ACL tears. we're seeing a lot of re-tears, like what what are we missing, and how can we address that that facet of things?" And so he got together a team um, at Boston Children's and they dug into the research, tons and tons of research, um, and essentially created the McKaley center. And so we are a fully research based institution. Um, all of our programs are evidence-based practice and our job is to help athletes stay healthy. Um, we, we kind of use the tagline, the science behind the athletes. So recognizing that the way you move, um, impacts one, your sport performance from, from an optimization standpoint, but then also keeps you healthy and, and we help educate and we, we do a lot of outreach work. And the idea is that as sport continues to get more and more competitive, you know, we want to stay at the forefront of things and help athletes be able to maintain their tool. Right. Uh And say like, I love this. I want to work hard in this. And in order to do that, like I can actually train my body in a way to be at, be fit for sport, um, not just fit for my sport. Um, so we, I mean, the services we offer range from whole body, like comprehensive injury prevention evaluations. So looking at mobility and flexibility and strength and saying, okay, these are, you know, possible predispositions for injury. Um, But then not just stopping there, next going to, so what do we do about it, right? So here's what we're seeing based on the information gathered from the individual. These are possible, again, predispositions based on gender, sport, position in sport, all of that. And here's your game plan. Um, So we do that. We do a lot of running. We see tons of runners um, and help them improve biomechanics, both for efficiency of speed and performance, but also, you know, those aches and pains, right? Like ideally we should be able to do these things and feel good doing these things.
0: Um,
1: and then of course ACL. So we do a ton of work with athletes coming in either from an injury prevention standpoint. So how do I work towards staying as healthy as I can? And we're, we're very quick to say like, prevention doesn't mean that we can guarantee you won't get hurt. The idea is we wanna prepare you as best as you can recognize your weaknesses, which is a challenging thing I think for yeah. athletes to do. <laughs> um, sure. but again, not just stop it. Here are your weaknesses. Good luck. See you later, but here are your weaknesses. And this is what we can do, um, to kind of get you in the best place so that you can oh. perform your best.
0: Well, I'm just already like, when can I have a field trip to <laughs> see what you guys are doing? Because Come anytime, anytime. That- is up my alley, and so many of those things. I just, you know, I, looking at what you guys offer, it is any, it, it ranges from physical therapists to the sports prevention specialist mm-hmm. to what you do. You're a mental skills specialist and you help yep. with the mental side of um that. All those things you, you mentioned, it's hard to understand that we might not be good at something, or you might be weak yeah. in something, or you might need get better at something. And I think oftentimes we forget about the mental side of things. And so you, why'd you get into mental skills? Why'd you become a mental skills coach? And, And maybe, can you tell me the difference between a mental skills coach, what you're doing, and maybe a sports psychologist?
1: Yeah, for sure. So um, I come to the profession having been an injured dancer. So my story uh, is rather long and complex. So I'll give you the abbreviated version. Um, I danced in college and planned to move to New York to dance, uh, hopefully professionally. Wow. Um, and had surgery my senior year of college, actually with Dr. McKaylee. Um Yeah. So he was my surgeon. Whoa. Yep, had a surgery. Unfortunately, my body just decided to go all sorts of wacky. Um, so I had a couple subsequent surgeries to try to help remedy that. Um, made it through my senior year of college dancing essentially on an ankle that didn't bend, uh, which
0: was challenging.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, so that was that was super special and definitely trying. Um, more so Mm -hmm. looking back now, I think more so than I realized in the moment, um, both mentally and physically um and then still moved to new york so i like graduated and i was like nope i'm doing it and i moved yeah. to new york on an angle that didn't bend and i hadn't been dancing consistently and so pretty quickly realized like i needed a job <laughs> that, that had insurance a little more consistency mm-hmm. um and i found myself at a physical therapy facility called physio arts um that was contracted with broadway so looking back now, I always joke, I'm respectfully scrappy. So I found this job and I was like, okay, sweet. They work with Broadway performers. They must be good. Maybe they can help me. Yeah. Um, And two, Broadway was kind of the avenue I, or was certainly the avenue I wanted to go. And so I was like, maybe I can network a little bit. So it was Totally. Kind of this-
0: <laughs> What'd you say? Respectfully scrappy?
1: Yep. That's, that's, that's the my best.
0: That is so good. I want to use that. That's yep. So I good. like,
1: I I find, you know, I I found like when you when you find like minded people who are passionate about what they do, like you develop these relationships and and I I plant the seed. I'm like, I'm still here. Hello. How are you doing? And so kind of like found found this really great, um, you know, temporary position and. Then as I was there, of course, because I wasn't dancing, I was not in the best head space. It was kind of like I was in the city where I was supposed to be doing this thing and I couldn't. Um, and it was hard. It was really, really hard. And my mom kept encouraging me to see a psychologist and I was very stubborn. And I was like, if they weren't a dancer, they don't understand. Because my uh-huh. it was this identity thing like for totally. so long this was my plan. And suddenly that plan was gone. And so I ended up, I had an incredible boss, Jenny Green is absolutely brilliant in the physical therapy world. And she, one day we were sitting and she was like, what do you want to do? And we just started talking and she was like, you know what, go get your degree. And I, what had happened was I was seeing other people come into this facility, like these Broadway performers where their livelihood was very much impacted by the fact that their bodies didn't work in the way they needed them to. Um, And they were bummed out. (laughs) I was like, okay. And then I was feeling it too. And I was like, all right, this is, this is something like how, I mean, my injury lasted essentially three years and it was like, I was over it. I didn't believe PT worked at that point. Cause I was like, I'm not getting better. And so I started to think about, you know, if I'm walking into PT or just in my day-to-day life thinking this is stupid, this is never going to get better. Like, how does that mindset impact my rehab and the way I approach things? And so Went got my master's in sport and exercise psychology from Springfield College, um, and then my path has, had changed a little bit. I think I would initially intended on working more from a, a like strictly education standpoint, like helping to create cur- uh, curriculum for like performing arts schools, stuff okay. like that. Uh-huh. Um, but while I was right before I left for grad school, the McKaylee Center opened, and I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this perfect my mom sent me the article. I think it was the Boston Herald. And I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, that's it. That's where I'm working. And so I, again, respectfully scrappy reached out um, to Dr. McKaylee firsthand. Uh-huh. I was like, I don't know if you remember me. Um, and I was able essentially to, to get an internship there. Um, and I'm sure they, at the time they had their injury prevention specialists and strength and conditioning specialists. Uh-huh. No, no mental skills specialists. Right. And, I'm sure they were like, what, what does this girl want to do here? <laughs> like, what is she, what, What's her plan? Um, and when I came in, they actually had one of their sports psychologists on site. And so I started working with her. Um, and then kind of collectively, we started to see, and this leads into your next question, kind of the way she worked as a clinical sports psychologist right? and, and the work I wanted to do as a mental skills coach. Um, okay. And so if you, it is a very challenging distinction. Um, I think where the mental game um, is, is so kind of new comparably, you know, with uh, sports medicine that people often think I am a sports psychologist. And so we, we found ways to kind of help create that distinction and and educate our patients and clients. Um, My role, I always say is truly, I'm a coach, right? So I help athletes work on their performance. Um, Sometimes that performance might be related to school, you know, I'm working a ton with student athletes, most often that performance is in regards to sport and then oftentimes in regards to sport injury. A clinical psychologist, uh, we also have clinical social workers who work at the division of sports medicine. oftentimes they will address similar things. So confidence building, goal setting, motivation, resiliency, all of that. Mm -hmm. But then their scope of practice extends into the realm of pathology, right? So things like true anxiety, depression, you know, anxiety, I say true anxiety, anxiety beyond performance anxiety. Yeah. Um, And so what's really wonderful is in having both mental skills and mental health professionals, we tag team a lot, you know, so that I can be working with a client truly on like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm standing on the pitcher's mound, like post-injury, getting my head back in the game. Where's my focus? What do I do in that moment? Mm -hmm. And then the clinical psychologist might be working with them on things like, how do you fuel appropriately and maintain a healthy relationship with food following an ACL tear, you know, where you haven't been training in the same way you were. Um and so again, it just I always say humans are puzzles. so let's let's make sure each piece of the puzzle is supported in the best way possible.
0: Uh, thank you for describing that because I think that is helpful for me to wrap my brain around and also just gives me a little bit more insight. Um, I, I'm sure it's helpful for people who are listening too. Uh, one of the things that you mentioned that I I think is really important is, your injury put you in a place where then you were in this, you, you know, you had to get a job. And I think, <laughs> yeah. I, I think what's, what's interesting is like, I think we see what we don't have when we get injured, yeah. but listening to what you were able to do and still be involved in something that you love, which is having those dance people around you, mm-hmm. you actually found your true path. And I, yeah. I, It's really I I find that a lot a lot of people that I've talked to end up you know becoming a physical therapist or wanting to help people in in this type of you know ACL realm because this journey significantly impacted their life and they want to make it better for somebody else for
1: sure and I I think it's always funny and I'll, I'll tell my clients like very candidly I'm not gonna look at you and say you will, you will come out on the other side of this, like, okay, like this happens for a reason, right? It becomes a little cliche. I was like, however, I can acknowledge now, you know, 10 years, 10, maybe a little less than 10 years since all of this went down, that I would not have found this job had I not been
0: hurt. Totally.
1: And so in the moment, it can be incredibly challenging to, to look ahead and say, how can this benefit me? But that is one of the things I do a lot with athletes is to say, okay, we're not, we're not going to say this is fun. We're not going to say we're super psyched this happened, but I'm going to plant this seed, Uh challenge yourself to see how this can benefit you, whether it is providing you with an opportunity to explore new things, whether it is an opportunity to simply like now, before you're, you know, I was an adult and I suddenly had to figure out how to an adult, which is like, adulting's hard.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, so hard, like, you
1: know, right. Like, so for these high school kids to say high school, middle school, however yeah. old take time, who am I outside of my sport? What uh-huh. things do I love? What qualities do I bring to the table that maybe I see most in sport? but are super transferable to other areas of my life as well. And if I can plant that seed, like that kind of retrospective reflection, I think is a little bit easier down the road.
0: It is because- when you talk about identity, you had mentioned that, you know, that a lot of those dancers, their identity was in dance when they didn't have it, yep. you know, it's same for every person who has something that they love and it's taken away from them is you're, it's like a really tight wound rope, your identity and who you are and your sport mm-hmm. or whatever it is, is so wound together that it's hard to find, um uh, where one ends and the other begins, but being able to evaluate those and, and get skills from someone like you to to say, okay, well, I'm not just a soccer player. I'm not just a dancer. I can look at other things I think is really important. And you, uh, not only had the ability to help people and get this job at the McKaylee center, but a couple of years ago, or what a year and a half ago, you were (laughs) slung into ACL rehab. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that was super special. Um, <laughs>
0: I, I always
1: joke. Uh, it's like the least sports psyche thing of me to say, but I, I, I have been rather perpetually injured. Um, so following the ankle injury, that was about three years. I had a back thing that was about two years. Um, And then I tore my ACL and I joked with, um, one of our sports medicine doctors. And again, I, I was so fortunate working where I did, um, or where I do, um, that I, I literally hobbled upstairs to our doctors, like hobbled downstairs to MRI. Like I really, you know, again, was quite fortunate. Um, but I joked with my doctor, I was like, this could be my quickest recovery yet, (laughs) which was such a weird thing to think. Right. Um, but yeah, I had finally gotten back to dancing, uh, actually, and oh. was performing in my home dance studio's 20th anniversary, I believe, um, and went down in, like, in performance. Uh, yeah, <laughs> to the point, like, here I was, I was oh just shy of 30 years old um, in, like, full production piece with, ev- like, it was a finale, and I came down from a jump fortunately I was in the very, like I was in the back behind the current students, um, and very craftily made my way off stage. Like to the point that my, my mom was there watching me. Right. And literally like, was like, where'd she go? Like, I just never, no one ever saw me. Um, so yeah, that was, that was something. Um, and I, you know, again, given, given where I work, a lot of my friends are physical therapists. So of course, like immediately reaching out to them, this is what happened. Um,
0: and then I had surgery. <laughs> yeah. Quick question on that. Was it the same yeah. leg that the foot was, was your ankle didn't work? No.
1: Interesting. It was the other, it was the other oh. leg. Um, yeah, it was, it was a total fluke thing. Yeah. Um, it really like dancer, like ACL dancers her, don't
0: really do that. Yeah. It's not, you guys are so fun. in control of your body yeah. and you yeah. are, I spoke with a dancer. Um, a, a, probably a couple of years ago and she slipped on water. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you just don't hear it as much in dancers because of your body control is quite remarkable.
1: Yeah. And we, so I basically, I tried to avoid, I was coming down from a jump and I was trying to avoid kicking a child who didn't know
0: where yeah, she there you was go. supposed to be.
1: Um, yep. so yeah, so it was, it was interesting. Um, I mean, my journey was actually a bit different than kind of the, I, I don't know that I like the word traditional ACL journey yeah. because everyone's is different. Right. But, right. um, being at children's, we actually have a sports medicine physician, um, and surgeon, Dr. Martha Murray, who's absolutely brilliant. And she has created a protocol called the bear prot- protocol. It stands for bridge enhanced ACL repair
0: Yes, um, repair. Repair. repair.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. So she was actually, I believe she was an engineer before she was a physician. Um, and when she, yeah, right. I know.
0: Just do it all. (laughs) Would you
1: do it all? And so before, um, when she, when she became a doctor, her goal was like, we have to, there has to be a way we can repair Mm -hmm. this. And so she's created this little tiny sponge scaffold, that goes in between the two torn pieces of your ACL and they inject your own blood. And essentially the sponge creates an environment that allows for the ACL to repair itself, right. which is super cool. Cause yeah. ligaments don't repair themselves. Right. Cause um, they don't have a blood supply. what did you say? I said, cause they don't have a blood supply. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And so when you have that environment that, that allows for that um, you know, her hope in, in this method is that one, it may reduce kind of negative repercussions of reconstruction down the road um, mm-hmm. because it allows for that restoration of proprioception yep. um, and ideally decrease like arthritis and all that stuff down the road. So I was actually part of a clinical trial, which was super cool. Yeah. Um, and now I am just about two and a half years post-op. I had my two year MRI a bit late because of COVID, um, but it's growing and it's better than it was. And I feel good. So it's, it was very cool. Like yeah. I kind of was in this position of, you know, I have to do this anyways. I'm not looking cause bear slows down the rehab process because okay. you have to allow for the healing to begin, Yeah, which makes sense. So yeah. I was, I was on crutches for almost 12 weeks I didn't start PT until a month after, which for anyone listening is probably like, whoa, you know, normally you're in PT to get things moving pretty quickly. Um, but I wasn't, I wasn't in a hurry. You know, I knew that I was again, incredibly fortunate. My mom lives locally. So I was Uh able to be there and have her help and drive me to and from work as much as she probably (laughs) regretted saying yes to that 12 weeks later. Um, but yeah, it was, it, I just figured it was an opportunity. The the trial was in its third phase and now Dr. Murray is out. It actually just had FDA approval um, fairly recently. Uh-huh.
0: So, you know, I was like, all right, let's, let's be a part of science. <laughs> yeah. That, that's really cool. And also you were at the point in your life too, where you could take some time and be a part of that. I think that, um, you know, eventually because of people like you, this could be something that younger athletes are more aware of and can say, all right, I'm, I'm willing to give a little bit more time now in order to have that time down the road in whatever sport I love to play.
1: Yes. And again, I mean, I keep using the word fortunate. Like I really wasn't, if I was dancing, you know, if I were 16, 17, 18, knowing I was going to college to dance, I probably wouldn't have done it because it does take time. And, and for athletes in those moments, you know, the thought is, how can I get back to doing what I love as quickly as I can? And it, it's a challenging thought because there is, you know, when you're 16, 17, 18, kind of that ability to think long-term and say, you know, uh-huh. again, that's your investigation. Who am I beyond this? And how, like, this choice now, how might it impact me? I think that's that's a really hard thing to see at 16. Um, but like you said, you know, hopefully down the road, me as someone who had, had the flexibility to make yeah. that kind of decision would right. be able to kind of help, help people down the road.
0: Yeah. Help them navigate that. Did yep. you find that going through this ACL rehab helped you as a clinician? So very much <laughs> <laughs> uh, so much.
1: I always say, you know, again, not on sports psyche of me perpetually injured. Like I always felt like I had a pretty solid grasp on what it meant to be injured. I think mm-hmm. there's a very, clear shared experience in sport injury uh, totally. versus versus you know like clinical anxiety depression like everyone's experience is so different yeah. you really can't compare um but in sport injury that loss of again identity passion outlet all of that I think is is very much understood. Um so I was always like oh yeah I, I get this I get this and I definitely did and then I tore my ACL and I was like oh, okay now I now I have a new experience, um, right. because it is such, I always say it's such a beast. Like it's a pretty, like, you know, what's happened, <sighs> good word. you know, what's coming mm-hmm. and you know, it's not going to be awesome. And it also is just like all of my other injuries, like were kind of chronic ish in the sense that like, I could do what I needed to do. I was just, it wasn't my best. Whereas ACL, like my PT friends were like, there's going to be a day you can't lift up your leg after surgery and it's going to freak you out, Yeah, but it's okay. And like, you are, you are couch bound, you know, there's just, mm-hmm. you're so much more incapacitated than I had been with any of my other injuries. Right. Um, and that mental hurdle, I think, is super helpful to understand firsthand <laughs> as much as I, I wish I was joking. It was accidental research. Like, it would have been nice not to do it. But right. um, it absolutely has helped create greater perspective on the injury. Yeah. Um, and I actually had a client the other day who said it so perfectly. Um, with injuries like ACL and surgery recovery, it's like, there's this one big hill, right? That's your surgery. That's coming home those first couple days. And then you get over the hill and you're like, Oh, we made it. And then you look and you're like, Oh my gosh, there's like 16,000 more little hills and plateaus. And I got to go up and down literally and figuratively. And, and that was definitely ACL surgery Um, in comparison to my, my past
0: injuries. Yeah, that I, I like that. A smart client you had there. Yeah,
1: it was it was perfect. I was like, that is so wonderfully said. Like that first, like the giant hill, and you're like, I got this. And then you get to yeah. the top and you're like, oh man. <laughs> like,
0: oh my gosh. We, got, I we got a
1: ways, ways more to go. It
0: is physic physically those first few days are just I always tell people like physically you're through probably the worst of it.
1: Yep. But, yep. Absolutely. But then
0: it's like, okay, if that's physically just through the worst of it then what's next it's the mental <laughs> side. So i think that that you know that's why i have you here i want to talk through those things and bring bring me into acl reconstruction rehabilitation and maybe something that as a clinician you typically a uh, mental skill that you're working on with some of your patients can you give us a little taste of what that's like
1: for sure so um one of the first things I always ask athletes, whether it's sport injury rehab or again just kind of strictly sport performance, is uh-huh. why are you here? Um, and they can interpret that kind of however they want. Sometimes they're like, "Why am I here in this appointment? Because my mom made me come," which yeah. is usually what I hear, and that's that's totally fair. Um, but with say ACL specific, like, why are you fighting through this? Right? Like, you could not go back to sport. Right. And that's okay. That's a very valid decision to make, but usually if they're in my office, like they want it, they want to go back. And so starting from this place of motivation, I think is so important um, because it helps them recognize like the different facets of motivation. So I'm here because I, my sport is all I know. Okay, cool. So how can we capitalize on this? I'm here because, you know, I can push through and I like a challenge, right? That's often something we see yeah. in in the performance uh, enhancement stuff. And so then I'll say like, are you like a challenge? Like, here we go. Like, yeah. this is your challenge. And so it helps starting from a place of motivation helps them identify their why, helps them have the reason to keep fighting and to yeah. be able to shift the mentality. I always say like, Rehab becomes your performance. Like we need to maintain that grit, that hunger that you have on the field, you have on the ice, you have on the stage, wherever you're performing, let's take it. Let's use it here. Let's recognize it's not the same. Like, I'm not going to look at you and be like, again, this is fun. Like this isn't what you asked for, but it is what it is. And so let's again, capitalize on the things that you utilize in your athlete worlds to your rehab world. Uh Um, so that's usually a pretty powerful one, depending on the age of the client or, or even the creativity of the client, like we'll do visual representations of that. Um, whether it's like some of my younger athletes really like making posters. I'm like, all right, bring in pictures, let's words, phrases, quotes, songs, like stick it on there and put that thing somewhere. You can see it. Um, older clients oftentimes will do kind of an abbreviated version of that and make like a lock screen for their phone like you have this all the time.
0: Cool. Like, I, I need that. your
1: brain to see this and to remember why you're here to remember why you're fighting. Mm-hmm. Um because here in this moment we're talking about it and yeah it's making you feel good but there's going to be a whole lot of times where you, <laughs> you don't you don't feel so high and and yeah. to have that visual I think helps, helps keep them in that mentality.
0: That's a really good tool. And I would encourage everyone listening to take some time and no matter where you are, you're at in your your process, or even if you're back doing what you love, like, why are you doing what you are doing? And I I think that's a good driving force. And as you said, led from motivation, like self-motivation, what, why am I motivated to do this? Yeah. One of the things that I think about a lot with my own injury recovery and, Um, try to understand and, and I think you would have some more insight in this is as as athletes I feel like we're taught a lot to not feel emotions and it's not that we don't feel them it's that we learn to mask them or put them in a place that is pretty so we can perform right? Mm -hmm. It's just like, Oh, I'll just tuck it away here because I can't get too high. I can't get too low. I got, I have to use my emotions to fuel me forward. And then you are faced with a difficult situation, an injury, a loss, and the emotions come and you're like, Whoa, I don't know how to deal with this. What would you say is the best thing of really, how do you slow down and, and understand that emotions aren't to be just tucked away, but they are to be felt.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you know, you're speaking to this idea like sport culture, like you keep Mm -hmm. pushing in the pursuit of excellence, like pain challenge, whatever the case, and you just go. Um, and with an ACL injury and other injuries too, like sometimes you can't work harder. Sometimes you can't work through it in that moment. Um, and I think that is Very, I think that's one of the most challenging things mentally when you first get hurt. It's like you go 110 to zero and you're like, what, like, what do I do? I mean, even you can kind of parallel it to, to the situation with COVID, right? Like athletes are used to going and all of a sudden this thing gets stripped away from you and you have to create new structure in your life. You have new order, new routines, um, And I think it is so important that athletes learn that it is okay to slow down. It's okay to feel these experiences. Um, And actually a concept that's been talked about a decent amount during the pandemic is this idea of radical acceptance that we are going to experience pain and loss in our lives. And we have a choice in regards to what we do with that. And that if if we can feel that pain, feel that loss, feel those trials and accept them, and move through them, we actually come out on the other side a bit more readily, I guess, you know, and, and that if we don't, if we get to this place of why me, you know, this isn't happening, I can't believe this happened. And we kind of get stuck in that pain, we actually create more suffering. And, and that's when it's hard. And that's when, like, when you're stuck in that suffering, you kind of get to this place of like, I'm here, this is happening, I can't even envision what's to come or getting back to sport, all of that. Um, and so I think if athletes can slow down, can feel okay not feeling okay. Um, we use the phrase like get comfortable being uncomfortable in sport. This is a situation like if there ever were a situation, get comfortable being uncomfortable, because there's going to be tons of ups and downs. There are going to be the days where you feel great and you're like, I got this, we're moving forward. And then there's going to be those days where you're like nothing's changing. Like and I, we, you know, if you think about emotion and for human humans period, but besides athletes, like yeah. we don't, we've kind of culturally defined these good and bad emotions. So like happiness, excitement, all of that, those are the good things. And then sadness, frustration, anger, those are the bad emotions. And I think one of the things I work on with athletes is recognizing there's no good or bad emotions. They're all there and they all have an important role in our day-to-day experience And if we can, can kind of break that stigma that like, I'm feeling frustrated and that's bad again, one, we more easily move through it. Mm -hmm. And two, we then can go to this place of like, okay, I feel that way. So what do I do about it? Yeah. Um, And I think that can be the movement piece. You know, how, how do I feel it? How do I know that that's okay? And also know that I can like, even though it's uncomfortable, like, it's not a forever thing right and now to to add on to that like there are sometimes where it does feel like a forever thing and going back to the distinction between my role in a clinical sports yeah. psychologist or social yeah. worker that's where the conversation becomes lar- larger and we find that additional support for those athletes mm-hmm. um but the ups and downs period like they're going to be there mm-hmm. <laughs> anyone who's been through it yeah. like
0: you know, it so strongly the radical acceptance and knowing that there's a choice in all those feelings, yeah. that yep. the choice is something that you help people with saying, okay, I'm going to feel this. And I know that this isn't, you know, hopefully, you know, they're at a point where it's not, doesn't feel like a forever thing. Yep. And they can choose to say, okay, I'm going to not you know maybe the emotion is so much that you just really need to not do anything because one of the things that you mentioned earlier that i thought was really interesting is all the way back when you were starting in in new york city you said how does my mindset affect what i'm doing here today yeah and i think it's when we start to look at it as choices of how we show up to certain things or or choose not to show up to say okay i I am i am exhausted Mm -hmm. and the best thing for me to do is not to do something to yeah. actually let my, myself rest. Yeah. I think how we show up is a choice that we make. And, um, also understanding that we can choose to show up in a certain way and that can affect our performance. It can affect our, eventually the emotions that come from our performance as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I always, uh, I think a good example from my own recovery of the the ups and downs and the way mindset impacts us. Like there was a day I really, really wanted a pair of shorts from a store at the mall. Like really <laughs> wanted it because I I was going actually to a concert like later in the summer. Okay. It was its own story. But I, so my mom brought me to the mall. I hadn't left the house in like days. I was like, can we just do this? She's right. like, sure, let's go. And you I was, wanted to I feel was, normal. I did. I wanted that sense of like, it was summer. I like wanted to get out of the house. I mm-hmm. wanted to get in a car and go somewhere. And so we go to the mall, my mom drops me off at the door and I like crutch my way to the store. As I'm crutching my way to the store, my mom has already parked the car, walked past me to where she wanted to get. I'm in the store. I'm still in this, like, you got this. It's okay. Like, take your time, you know, whatever. Get in. I like try on the shorts, which of course takes like 16,000 years because I can't bend my leg. (laughs) I leave the store and my mom is already back in the car. Like she, in the time that it has taken me to get to the store, go into the store, try on this one thing and get back out. My mom has like done 1200 things. I got in the car and I just started crying. Right. And so, yes, my mindset going in was like, you got this. This is exciting. This is an opportunity. It might be challenging, but let's give it a shot. Right. Yeah. And the shot it was rough. It was a rough shot. <laughs> I did it, but in those moments too, kind of going back to to the tools I would utilize with an athlete, when I got in the car, of course, I felt horrible and I'm crying and I'm upset and I'm like, oh my God, that was the hardest thing I've ever done. But looking back now and what I would encourage an athlete of mine to do is say like but what was your win? Like, yeah, you, you did it. you did show you up. got the shorts. You got the shorts right? like that was what you set out to do you encountered again, a whole lot of hills along the way. Like, you know, we think about the things you see happening around you. I saw my mom literally like Uh bustling around me. And in my head, I'm like, don't let that get in your way. Don't let that, like, she's on, she's not hurt right now. Of course she can move faster than you can. Yeah. Teammates, right? Like you're, you're going to practice, you're sitting there in your brace and you're watching everyone else, like working on new skills, like going to games, winning things. And you're like, Oh my gosh, like, how am I ever going to get there? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And we can't, we can't let those things around us deflate our wins because right now our wins have to be, we have to make them as big as they can be um, so that when we get back to where we can be competing with our teammates and be, you know, be in that more kind of traditional athlete mindset place that, that discrepancy between like I'm hurt and now I'm back. Like it just is a little bit smaller because our our brain has kind of helped us stay in that place of finding the wins, finding the goods and overcoming the challenges.
0: Yeah. All those tiny wins add up. And, and then you bring that onto the, the field or the court or whatever you're doing and you are back playing and you're like, okay, I'm one, I'm in training. That's a win. To, yep. I passed with my, you know, I passed with my right foot or I passed with my left foot, whatever feels like, like there are so many things that you can use even when you get back to full playing and feeling fine. Like those are skills that are not just helpful for rehab. Like yeah. finding the good, our, our brain just automatically goes to to bad. Like, Oh, I can't believe I made that pass. I made this mistake during training. I, I you know, we focus on that, but learning that how to celebrate the small wins can help you when you're back, not only in sport, but when you're in a job, when you're yep. in a pandemic, you know, all these things are, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that are just real life. Absolutely. And
1: interestingly too, like one of the things I work on with athletes, like as they're in that return to sport phase is this like threat versus challenge and opportunity. Right. Ooh. And so when, when you're getting back onto that field, again, talk about choice, like you can say, this is, this is threatening. It's that fight or flight sort of mentality of like, I can't, I can't do this. I, this isn't going to go well. I always say to my athletes, if you get out there first day, is it going to be your best game ever?
0: No, like get rid of that. Unrealistic. Yeah. Such unrealistic <laughs> expectations for yourself. Like I'm back. Yeah. I'm going to be perfect. No,
1: what? no. <sighs> See it as an opportunity to yeah. play. And that's where, again, that, that kind of retrospective reflection of being able to say like okay so I've had nine months of not being in my sport in the way Uh I want to be and I'm going to go out there like I get to play today yeah like that is so huge and it could be you get out there, you start the game and you're off the field in 30 seconds, but like you got to play and that those wins are so important. I think, especially in something like an ACL journey, where again, the Hills are many and of varying levels,
0: I (laughs) you gotta find the good. And you probably can feel this too is because you've worked with so many different athletes, but when someone tells me about that moment, like it makes me so joyful because I know that they've been like all the work it took and, you know, all the work it took to get them there. And you just feel such like empathy for them. Just like, you're just so happy.
1: happy.
0: um, Well, those are such good, realistic, usable skills that I like, I'm so happy, Kelsey, that we got to chat. And I, it, it really, um, what you were talking about, even with the the journey and to get the shorts is one of the things <laughs> that really stuck out to me when I was, you know, researching you and figuring out what I wanted to chat about is I read on the website of the McKelly center that under your bio, it says through mental skills, training, athletes can learn to navigate the maze of mental challenges associated with sport to better reach self-determined goals or perform optimally. I, I love that word maze. Yeah. Yeah, Because in mazes, you take, you try something and you take a turn and then you're hit with a dead end, right? So you have <laughs> yeah. to reroute. You have yep. to yep. have radical acceptance. You have to, you know, all these things that you were just saying, like that word maze, I think is so powerful. And what I also find really cool about, um, it's something that you've been doing, but people can go to the McKaylee Center website and work with you virtually. So they don't yeah. have to be in Boston. Um, yes. Why why should someone come a- and work with you? What would you say to someone who's maybe curious about that opportunity?
1: For sure. I, uh, going to what you said about the, the virtual services, I, I keep calling them unfortunate, fortunate challenge, uh, unfortunate, fortunate silver linings of COVID, right? Yes. Like, we now offer this and it's incredible. I currently have some people I'm working with in California and yeah, cool. the time difference is a bit challenging. Like you're, you're in
0: Colorado, Denver, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: So like we, we navigate some time differences, right. but like it makes it so much more accessible. And I think that's wonderful um, for anyone wondering if this is a service for them. My answer is without a doubt. Yes. Um, really because one of my goals in working at a place like the McKaylee center is to help individuals recognize that mind and body can't be separated. Right. So oftentimes we, we tackle our physical game so, so much and, again, whether it's injury or, or not, you know, athletes are pretty readily able to acknowledge like the mental game is a huge piece of it. And yet they haven't given it any sort of thought,
0: right. And Attention.
1: yeah. And you, it, but then they, they expect themselves to be able to handle things like adversity um, you know, making mistakes and bouncing back, challenging coaches or situations or whatever, they expect themselves to be able to handle it. No problem. You know, and you're hearing these words like mental toughness thrown around so often right now. And if I ask an athlete, like, like, have you worked on that? And they're like, no, (laughs) but they, they just kind of say like, yes, I will be mentally tough. And I'm like, if your coach or your parent, or you expected yourself to go out, I'll use gymnastics because it's pretty easy with like the craziness they do like to go out on stand on a four inch piece of wood and do a back talk without being taught how to do that. Like, could you do that? And they're like, absolutely not. Like, Okay. So (laughs) let's look at mental toughness in that same way. And I think the more we can integrate mind and body, we start to be proactive in our mindset. Uh-huh. A lot of times I'm seeing clients come to me when there's already a quote unquote problem, right? They've, they've hit that point yep. in their recovery where they feel super crummy. They're super discouraged. They're not adhering to their home exercise program. Cause they're like, I'm over it. And I say like, sure. Yeah. It's been five, six, seven months. Of course, you're uh-huh. feeling over it. But if we can get athletes, into the mental game before there's a problem, provide them with tools to develop that resiliency, whether they need it or not, you know, like they at least have it. And so I think sport performance, sport injury, rehab life, this stuff is so, and and I really work to make it tangible, right? Mm -hmm. So to say, all right, we want to develop your confidence here are the tools that you can use to do that, right? Right. Instead of this kind of amorphous blob of confidence. And you're like, cool, I want that, but I don't know how to get it. Mm -hmm. We work on the how to get it part.
0: That's so good. And one of the reasons why I am so excited to be working with you on this webinar we're gonna do with the ACL club is we're gonna... designate an hour where anyone can sign up and be a part of this. And, uh, I, I think that what's important is that people find that those two things are interconnected and yeah. just gets get some skills to work through it. Um, what excites you about working with these, these people from the ACL club and trying to f- figure out a way to, um, bridge that gap, as you just mentioned. Uh,
1: Yeah. I think, I think the webinar, you know, my hope is that it provides again, an opportunity for people everywhere to start to, to get a taste of what the mental game looks like. Uh Um, again, unfortunately with, you know, kind of the stigma existing behind mental health or mental wellness period, right. We don't give the same kind of attention to our brain. And I always, my, my kind of tagline is like, we have to train your brain. And so I'm excited to get people on the call One to help everyone going through this recognize they're not alone in the mental challenges, right? Like that's why the ACL club exists, which yes. is why I was so, you know, excited to find, find you actually through a client of mine. I was like, well, that's so cool. Like who knew, you know, who knew that yeah. was out there. And like, it's so important that it's out there and we can get people together. We can share those experiences. And again, there's your radical acceptance, share the experience. This is hard. This is challenging. None of us wanted this, but What can we do to make each day 1% better? What can we do to focus on moving forward? And again, to see this as an opportunity, right? As hard Mm -hmm. as that can be so many times when you're in it. Um, but be prepared, be ready. Like you, again, you wouldn't let your physical game kind of just like trickle out. If you were in season, you're going to do everything you can to perform your best. And this is just another piece to that puzzle.
0: So great, Kelsey, this has been such a fun conversation. Thank you for sharing so much with me.
1: Of course. Thank you again for having me. This was so wonderful. And I'm so looking forward to continued collaboration with the ACL club.
0: I hope you guys enjoyed that podcast and the conversation with Kelsey. She had so many great things to say. Now, if you go to theaclclub.com, we have something you can purchase on there. It is a webinar, a Zoom meeting with Kelsey, and we're trying to get as many people on this as possible and really key into what you guys want to know from her. She's an expert, and let's use this time to get the most out of her and really build our own toolkits and how to get through this. It's going to be happening on March 30th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And again, you can go to theaclclub.com to sign up for it. And check us out on Instagram at the ACL Club because we're going to be posting just a box where you can write in what you want to learn from Kelsey. She has a wealth of knowledge and she is ready to share it with everybody. I can't wait for it. I think it's going to be a really cool opportunity and it's affordable and it will be beneficial for you now and beyond just this injury recovery. So as always, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Let us know what you think. Please rate, review, and subscribe. That always helps. Share it with a friend. That helps too. If someone you know that's going through uh, a difficult time right now with an injury recovery, we're here to help. And make sure you go out there today, whatever you're doing, and look at your scars and understand what you have overcome. Go out there and show your scars with pride.